AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us. Always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Hope you're having a good one. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We hear so much. We talk a lot about supply chain issues. We're going to talk with Steve Meyer, economist with Partners for Production Agriculture. Look how uh, supply chain issues are impacting the pork industry. Get his outlook for the pork industry, market prices, and where we're at with uh, packing plants. A lot to go over with Steve Meyer coming up a little bit later on. Then we're going to talk markets today with Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN. Also uh, look at just economic issues uh, that certainly impact all of us in different ways and certainly the markets. Uh, inflation a big issue and uh, input costs and things like that for agriculture. Todd Holtman will join us a little bit later on. But this is of course Veterans Day and our thank you goes out to all those who have and who are serving our country, uh, protecting our country making the sacrifices and the commitment for our country. I, I talked about all that uh, just recently with Shea Folk. Shea is a farmer, a veteran. He's a agribusiness person, a farm business consultant. Uh, I wanted to get his perspective uh, on this Veterans Day. And I, I mentioned to him that while we always you know, say thank you to our veterans, thank you for your service, it, it just doesn't feel like that's enough. It's hard to... Uh, to get into words uh, the appreciation and thankfulness and gratitude that you want to share with a veteran. And he said he understands that and feels the same way. It is, and I think one of the easiest ways to do that is just think about some of the the liberties and the freedoms that we enjoy uh, every day. You know, Veterans Day exists uh, in commemoration of the Armistice Day on the 11th hour of the 11th day and the 11th month in 1918 to end World War I. And we take this day to honor all service members and think about the sacrifices that they've made. Uh, but it is different, you know, even as a veteran to think about, do, do I fit that category? You know, am I uh, willing to think of myself the way that we think of those in the past who have sacrificed so much and uh yeah this this year is a little bit different i think too especially with some of the things that have gone on uh how the withdrawal from afghanistan was handled and some other uh issues around the world uh, that does make this this uh seem a little different this year on veterans day yeah there's you know veterans from eight major conflicts uh still alive when you look over the last 100 years which is pretty incredible to think about but as we step away from America's longest war, uh, 20 years of fighting, you know, as that comes to an end, there is no real good way uh, to do that, I don't think. And it makes it hard from a, from a veteran's point of view and also as an American to think about what's happened over the last 20 years. So, you know, it, it might be a little hard for some veterans this year. And I think that's something really important to remember uh, while it's great to to send the, the honor and the thankfulness and, and to reach out to those people. I uh, just understand that, you know, a lot of people are, are probably thinking pretty heavily about uh, their time that they've spent here over the last 20 years. And, and it is a difficult time of year for some, uh, but overall, you know, just really thankful that we all have the opportunity to, to honor those who have served and, and sacrificed so much. I also think we don't, don't, focus enough or think enough about the families of our service members and and their sacrifices and their their commitment as well and, and how they help serve our country by supporting our military personnel yeah the service members uh signed up to do a job or or were drafted you know when you look at some of the prior engagements uh but in recent history service members have sworn that oath and and knew what they were getting into but it's also a huge sacrifice uh for the family you know i commend my wife and, and my family members because they endured so much stress and worry and made sacrifices themselves so to all the veteran family members out there uh those that are listening to this 
you know, thank you for all that you have done because our soldiers and our veterans uh, could not have done it without you. So, it, you know, if you're a veteran out there listening to this, I think it's just as important to uh, take some time to reflect on everything that your family has gone through and everything that they have sacrificed as well. That, that's a great point. Shay, you are a farmer. You're a farm business consultant. Um, how has your military background and career influenced and impacted your your current uh, life uh, and business operations and how you go about and approach things? I think the first uh, instinct that I have when you ask that question is uh, just putting things into perspective. When you realize how many other problems there are in the world, it makes the things that we deal with as, as farmers or operating businesses uh, maybe seem a little less uh, drastic than what they are on a day-to-day basis. So I often find myself stepping back and reflecting on the fact that even with challenges and business growth and uh, weather and the things that we, the stresses that we face as farmers, they're, they're all good things most of the time. And I think how we handle that is incredibly important. And the military has allowed me to maybe deal with those situations a little bit better. I, I struggle with it as much as anybody else, but you know, that's the first instinct. And then the second is uh, the military. And if you know, farmer veterans that are out there instilled a lot of drive. And so when I meet other farmer veterans, the ambition and the ability to make things happen and really demonstrate the leadership skills that they've learned in the military uh, is pretty outstanding. And so when I think about other farmer veterans that I know, you, you see that consistently time in and time out. And I think that's a really neat transition from the military back into the world of agriculture. And, you know, and as we thank veterans for you know, those who have served, and certainly we remember those who paid the ultimate price and made the ultimate uh, uh, sacrifice for us, uh, giving their lives in service to this country. Uh, we remember those who, like yourself, have served and have come back now. And we th- also want to remember those who are currently serving. Many in places around the world, we don't think that much about it. It's not in the news, and sometimes we, we don't think about or realize they're far away from home serving our country today. Yes, and, you know, that term veteran is for anybody that has served or is serving honorably. And so those who are uh, still training, those who are still doing deployments, those who are still doing aid and advise and assist missions, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of troops across the world, uh, many who listeners may know are still away from their families and their families are still making those sacrifices. So I just encourage anybody listening, if if you know a veteran, uh, if you know of a veteran, take time to reach out to them and you don't necessarily have to, you know, thank them for their service, but to say, hey, I was thinking about you, how are things getting along and and ask genuine questions. I think that is a very impactful way uh, for, for listeners here to Show, show people that you truly care and show that appreciation. I know I have some phone calls to make here over the next few days and just see how people are doing. Shay Folk, a farmer, veteran, and a farm business consultant. His thoughts on this Veterans Day. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. We'll take a look at the pork industry right now, where we're at and uh, where we're may, where we may be going. Steve Meyer, economist for Partners for Production Agriculture, joins us. Steve, always good to talk with you. We we hear so much talk a lot about supply chain issues. How are they impacting the pork industry? Well, they're driving a big wedge between the value of pigs at the carcass level and the value, the the spot market price being paid for market hogs out there. Um, uh, in a, that's one place they're having an effect, and that is mainly with labor at the packing plants that we really can't operate at our full, even our full physical capability under the new limitations we're under. And so that's one thing. The second one is that um, uh, most plants tell me that they're they're operating operating their harvest facilities pretty close to capacity, but they don't have enough. Now, collectively, we're all behind a little bit, but they're pretty close. They don't have enough labor in the back room to add value to this thing, and that uh, that fact is driven home by the uh, the September uh, uh, the September 30th inventory of hams, which saw bone-in hams inventories up 70 percent and boneless ham inventories up five, and that's just simply because we can't get enough of them converted, and that applies to boneless loins and all those value-adding things. It applies to capturing value from drop items like heads and, and, and organ meats and those kind of things. So uh, those are big d- disruptions. And then just the whole transportation thing, we still have problems at grocery stores. I was with a group of state um, of, of company communications directors, and one of them who was with Smithfield Foods and so has a little more presence in the far western United States with their Utah operations and their Los Angeles packing plant, was telling me, you know, they, they have friends in Las Vegas that go to the grocery store and there there aren't uh, 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 there's no pork there or no some items of pork. So it's still a, a big disruption, just like it is for everything else. I, I told a related uh, group last week, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago we were having a holiday festival and my wife went to the grocery store. We couldn't find any evaporated milk of all things, and so um, 
you know, it, it's it's symptomatic of everything. And of course, if you're trying to buy a vehicle, you know that that's a difficult process right now. And we're not immune to that. Well, let's talk prices. What do you expect to see for producers as far as uh, hog prices are concerned? And what do you expect consumers to be seeing here for the next few months? Well, um, you know, producers are going to see lower prices. Um, well, obviously, we broke these spot market hogs down into the 50s. The average uh, across all purchase methods is down in the 70s. I, I think that's going to kind of catch it. I think we're going to be okay the rest of the year. Not A lot more pressure. Um, uh, as we go into next year, clearly, I don't think we're going to be anywhere near our summer highs like we were last year. Of course, those were kind of off the charts. There is some people are there are some people arguing that we're going to have this worldwide shortage of pork and you know if it is that's great because producers can sell more uh, I, I think we're going to be lower than that but I still got us averaging up you know in the well up into the 80s or close to 90 dollars for the year and uh, the bad news of that is that our cost of production are up because of high higher corn and soybean meal prices um, you know, I've got average costs somewhere around $80, maybe 82 for the average producer out there. So it's going to take 85 or $90 just to have a profit margin. So I think we're in good shape. Now, on the consumer side, you know, that all spells break-evens of somewhere 90 to $100, maybe a little over for next year. Pardon me, cutout values, 90 to $100 uh, or a little over next year. So not a lot of break on the consumer side. And and we need to remember that, you know, uh, it's it's not that we forced higher prices on consumers this year, in my opinion. I think consumer demand is so strong that they have, you know, it, it represents a willingness to pay. And if we look at high beef prices and relatively strong chicken prices, pork's still a great value. And um, so I think these retail prices are going to kind of stay where they are. And when we take, you know, uh, a little bit of growth in production next year with high retail prices. Uh, I think we're going to see demand continue strong, and it's been remarkably good so far this year. So people say, why does it? Why does bacon cost so much more, or why, you know, do other pork products cost more, or other meat products in general? Is it because of demand? Is it because of these supply chain issues? Why all of a sudden has have these prices gone up like this? Demand. I think it's it's. Uh, you can lay most of it at demand. Now, we do have some supply chain issues, but normally those are short run. And so it's not as if supply chain issues are causing us to have a reduction in supply. The, the per capita offering of pork this year to producers in the United, to consumers in the United States is down from last year. It's at about 50.5 pounds, and we think that's going to go up to 51.5 next year. But that 50 to 52 range is almost all of the years since 1980 have been in that 50 to 52 pound range. So uh, it does, we're not shorting the market here necessarily. It's a little tighter than it was last year. I think the, the whole explanation on this is demand. We're talking with Steve Meyer with Partners for Production Agricultures. Steve, we talked earlier this week with Dan Hallstrom of the U.S. Meat Export Federation and went over those export numbers, those meat export numbers. They're still very strong. They are still very strong. I mean, you know, China has kind of fallen out of bed here, and no question about that. They've apparently got their production back up. They've had lots of product on the market, and part of that's because of some renewed ASF problems last winter. But still, uh, they've kind of fallen out of bed, and yet here we are down 1.2%, I think, for the year on a carcass weight basis, and that number's going to get a little bit larger to the negative. But we're going to end up within 3 or 4% of last year's record, and this is going to be the second largest year ever. Uh, our, our colleague, uh, Brett Stewart at Global Agritrends, thinks that we're probably going to be about flat next year. So we will have strung the three largest export years ever together right in a row here, as long as we don't have any major disruption to that. So, you know, Mexico has been good. Japan has been good. Korea has rebounded. Of course, the Philippines have kind of been off the charts on a percentage gain, even though they're a smaller market, but they're up to like number six on t in tonnage terms. And we've got some deals with Vietnam that we think can, can really increase our exports there. So um, in spite of China, it's still been a very, very good year. The labor issues, do you see them being resolved anytime soon? Not really. I mean, it's just a short labor supply out here now. <laughs> you know, the, 
the the end of the end of stimulus payments and those kinds of things, if we are at an end of stimulus payments and those kind of things, uh, would say that some people will go back to work that may have been uh, reasonably comfortable before. Uh, I think that's going to happen to some degree, and we're hearing at the packing plant level that the labor situation is getting a little bit better. Okay, it's not as quite as dire as it was back in the summer, uh, but but. You know, as I point out, Mike, there, there aren't very many people out there that's got work in a packing plant at the top of their career list, okay? And so uh, this is hard work, and um, we're never going to be, you know, probably the best draw. Uh, but, but for people with not a lot of skills, you know, and that are willing to work hard, the good thing is they can make a lot better living now than they could a year ago working in a packing plant because wages have gone up. Um, so I don't think we're going to solve that anytime soon. And I think probably the solution, the best solution of it, is going to be mechanization that replaces maybe some labor, but the real important part of mechanization is it's going to make the labor you have far more productive. I mean, we know that when you put uh, proper kinds of technology with labor, it ends up with a much higher labor productivity rate. And I think that's probably going to be the answer long term. And with all the talk about, and we talk about this a lot, about the need for more processing plants or more more shackle space things like that you still have to have people to work in them and it so just building plants if you don't have the people to work in them building the plants alone would, would won't be the solution i i agree but but that's the point about mechanization i mean i think the plant of the future won't need as many people because it'll have better robotics and mechanization of a lot of processes i i tell the story frequently about a machine uh, made by a, a company and this machine doesn't make any cuts on, on a, it was a pork shoulder, this machine works. All the machine does is you put the shoulder on a certain position, and that machine positions that cut properly for each worker to make the cut that they need, and it took about 40% of the labor off the line and made the job easier because you don't have to wrestle that big piece of meat and get it in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's the kind of thing we're going to see going forward. And the, the limiting factor there is production capability on the mechanization and the technology. I mean, that that's really the limiting factor. And so, um, you know, there's not a lot of people make those, and uh, I would say they're doing quite well at the present time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other one is we've got to get some of these kind of uh, false limitations like the chain speed issue. We need to get that behind us and do things that are smart, both in terms of food safety and worker safety, but get more hugs through these plants. Steve, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mike. Thank you. Good day. Take, take care. Steve Meyer, economist for Partners for Production Agriculture. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. So you're saying I could save some money now by bundling my crop protection products? But I'd miss out on the 5 to 15 bushels per acre advantage from Acuron herbicide? Mm-hmm. And the 4 bushel advantage Saltro seed treatment has over Olivo seed treatment? Yeah. And the 18 and a half bushels per acre advantage from Trivapro fungicide? Yep. So the bundle deal isn't really all that much of a deal, is it? Nope. Better yield is the better deal. Talk to your retailer or Syngenta rep to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture on this Veterans Day. Soybean prices rallied higher following the USDA's surprising cut to bean yield and production numbers this week. Immediately following the USDA report, bean prices shot up before settling lower. U.S. soybean harvest continues to push a few beans into the market. South American planting progress is making headway. The U.S. corn harvest is nearing complete but still putting pressure on prices. For the first time in six weeks, U.S. ethanol production declined 
declined. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading three and a half cent higher at 572 and a fraction. The March contract up two and three quarters at 581 and a half cent. For soybeans, the January contract up seven at 1223 and three quarters. The March contract up six and three quarters at 1236. For wheats, Chicago wheat December up 11 and a half cent at 814 and a half cent. The Kansas City wheat December contract trading 12 and a half cent higher at 830 and a fraction of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December up 18 and three quarters at 1065. The March contract trading 19 cents higher at 1055 and three quarters. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning following yesterday's light to moderate business. Asking prices for cattle left on show lists are around $134 in the south and $208 in the north. More trade should need to take place today or tomorrow. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. December live cattle trading 10 cents lower at 131.90. The February contract down a dime at 136.72. In feeder cattle, the January contract up 67 at 158.70. March trading 45 cents higher at 160.02. In lean hogs, the December contract 52 cents lower at 75.17. February down 42 at 78.90. Again, you're listening to AOA on this Veterans Day, honoring those who have served. I'm Kirsten Rall for the American Ag Network. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Todd, good to talk with you. Let's, uh, I want to get your thoughts, your takeaways from this week's USDA report and what it tells us going forward. Does it change some of the, the scenarios we thought we were dealing with? Uh, hi, Mike. Good morning to you, and, and thanks for having me again. In the case of corn and soybeans, I can't say that there were uh, any big changes uh, that would change our opinion of anything at the moment. We did get a new record high yield estimate on that corn crop of 177 bushels an acre. Uh, quite a surprise given the year we've had with drought in the northwestern Midwest. In the area of soybeans, obviously we had a big rally that Tuesday. The ending stocks number came in less than expected at 340 million bushels. But my concern is that the export situation on soybeans still does not look very good. And I think USDA probably just made a small down payment in reducing the export estimate in this report. Uh, unless something changes dramatically, out in the real world, there's going to be a lot more reductions ahead in that export estimate. So that, that continues to be a big concern this time of year. So the reason I ask about changing direction, it seemed like everything was pointing towards perhaps more soybean acres next year, in, in part because of input costs and availability, uh, but also market signals. And do you think that changes? Does this report change any of that? Uh, this report, no. Uh, but I would say I think some of the situation in corn demand might help change some of that. And I, I say that because the ethanol margins are just so extremely rich right now. It's really holding up our, our uh, cash corn prices across the country, keeping them well above uh, uh, 550. And that's, I think, good news to help 
uh, protect and maintain corn acres in the upcoming spring. So that relates to the, I, I think given that, uh, corn and soybeans have a better chance of sticking to their rotations in the spring in spite of the fertilizer problem. We're looking for probably about a $5 cash corn price uh, in the year ahead given the higher fertilizer prices and fuel costs. Uh, so if we can keep that corn price in the 5 50 to sometimes $6 range, I, I think we can still uh, entice people to plant corn. And, and so we're going we're gonna to be jostling with that argument and those numbers uh, for several months now. Yeah, so aggressive buying by ethanol plants is certainly, as you said, given support to this corn market. But do you see that continuing? Uh, overall, yes. And uh, I think because a lot of it's related to the higher crude oil price, you know, I, I looked at the ethanol price in relation to gasoline, and they have kind of a long-term relationship. Well, right now that ethanol price really is historically very much in line with the gasoline price. So it's not like, uh, even though the ethanol margins are very high right now, it's not like the ethanol uh, prices are out of whack compared to the rest of the market. So that gives me a little encouragement there. The other question, of course, is where are crude oil prices going to be heading? Uh, in the year ahead, and that's obviously a, a much more complicated answer, but uh, overall, I think we're going to probably keep seeing steady to higher. There's just a, a lot of countries outside of the U.S. that seem to be short on their energy needs. Talking with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. All right, so when we look at China and try to figure out what they're going to be doing, uh, on the soybean side, are they just banking on a big South American crop. I mean, we know it's off to a good start. They've had moisture at planting time. Long ways to go, but do they feel secure enough in being able to buy old crop from South America now and, and banking on a big new crop coming that that's going to slow their purchases of our soybeans? Yeah, well, I think that's certainly part of their strategy. And it, it's no secret that China is investing heavily in Brazil. And uh, between the two of us, they're much happier paying Brazil high prices for soybeans because it keeps encouraging increased acres in Brazil. You know, we talked before, this is the 17th consecutive year that Brazil's increasing their soybean acres. A lot of that's been funded by China's demand, and that uh, should keep continuing to do so. The other situation here is not necessarily, I don't think, of China's choosing, and that is that it's very strange that their soybean and meal prices have dropped dramatically in the last month or so. Uh, and it tells me that something's going on in the country. I think they have several economic challenges that we're hearing about. They've had the real estate problem, lots of debt problem. They've had the electricity shortage. They've had soybean crushed plants shut down. And I suspect, uh, even though maybe we're not hearing a lot about it, uh, quite possibly they're still dealing with ASF in a, in a serious way. So something has impacted China's soybean and meal demand, and unfortunately it's happening right here in the fall of the year when this is typically our best time to make those export sales. So between that and Brazil's uh, big crop that they have looking forward to, uh, it's a tough situation for the U.S. this time around. Let's talk about the impact of inflation, the strength of the dollar, how you see all that impacting our markets moving forward. Yeah, well, it's a little mixed and a little confusing, to be honest. We did have a new consumer uh, price index posted uh, just yesterday, and uh, the, the news was a 30-year headline. It was a 6% annual increase in consumer prices. As I looked a little closer at the details, it's quite obvious that this is really an energy problem primarily. Gasoline prices are up 50%. They're accounting for most of the increase. Natural gas utilities are up 28%. And uh, used cars and trucks, what's hurt us on the farm, <laughs> up 26%, uh, still having a hard time there. At the other items, food's only up 5%. Uh, medical care actually down. So to me, this is still very much related to post-pandemic logistic problems and the fact that our world economy has picked up and improved much quicker than our ability to produce and ship those goods and keep up with things. So I continue to see this uh, more as a, as a logistical nightmare that we have to solve. We have to get people back to work. 
to untangle these transportation problems. Uh, in the meantime, it's a little curious to me that the dollar's rallying because if the market's actually concerned about runaway inflation, you wouldn't expect the dollar to be going up. But uh, I think part of that is uh, based on the fact that the U.S. continues to show good gro- job growth uh, and we continue to rebound the right direction and our COVID numbers are coming down, uh, something that Europe can't quite say yet. So there, there is good news fundamentally behind that higher dollar. Uh, now, that doesn't sound good for our grain es- export prospects, but really the, the supply situation and the other factors we talked about for soybeans are, are affecting that much more than the dollar change right now. Well, the administration says inflation is transitory. It's you know not going to last <laughs> that long. Uh, well, how long is transitory? I mean, that, that could be a while. I mean, it, it doesn't look like this supply chain, this transportation issue is going to go away anytime soon certainly not in the short term it doesn't look like right no absolutely right it it reminds me a little bit of the king that says this too shall pass so in Mm -hmm. in the scheme of life yes all these things are transitory and so are we mike but uh (laughs) you're you're right to expect that uh, these are not easily solved problems i i think the transportation issue is at least another six months out and you know it's it's even hard to make guesses because we really haven't been in this type of situation uh, before. But I know there's lots of incentive to scramble and get goods shipped again and, and uh, get this mess cleared up. It, it, it seems to me it feels like the administration wants to push so hard to make this transition to electric vehicles and things like that, you know. Yep as they deal with these climate issues that they they say that's their priority but it doesn't seem doesn't seem like they're really managing the transition all that well it they're going for such a trying for this abrupt change that there's a lot of uh, pain in the process uh, rather than kind of managing it as we as if we're going to head that direction manage the transition to make it a little smoother yeah i have to agree with you there mike uh, and I'm a big fan of wind and solar and all the alternatives that we can get, especially ones that are good for the environment. But absolutely, we cannot uh, disregard oil, gas, coal uh, at this time. We cannot disregard those traditional sources that got us here and that are still so fundamentally important in so many situations. In my book, we need all all the uh, viable energy sources Uh, to step up, and we need to still keep looking for uh, new modes. And and biofuels, obviously, is a big part of that. And uh, that's the one thing that's really been in uh, uh, favor uh, in our our grain-related products this year is that vegetable oil sector and and soybean oil continues to really benefit from the uh, advances and the outlook that we see for renewable biodiesel. Yeah, real quick, you see that demand staying strong? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, it's it's uh, it's here to stay, and it's got a future. And I, I think we're going to see more investment in plants for renewable biodiesel. All right, Todd. Good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. All right, that is DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Yeah, it just seems as we're headed. If this is a transition towards whatever the energy future is going to be, electric vehicles or whatever it's going to be, it seems to be there seems to me there needs to be more emphasis on making it a smooth transition instead of trying to force some type of abrupt transition that's causing a lot of uh, problems right now for many, many people. All right, stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and, if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. 
The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. win. We, 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 we are the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon Spread Sense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon Spread Sense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. 
Now, back to Mike Adams. Even when your equipment's not running this winter, lubricants still play an essential role in keeping them protected. And that's why, as part of every farmer's yearly winterizing routine, you need to assess equipment's fluids. So today, we're going to talk about some essential reminders for farmers to keep their equipment protected all the way until next spring. I'm joined by John Wetzel, CHS, Technical Services Manager. John, thanks for joining us. So as farmers wrap up uh, their harvest and their post-harvest maintenance routines, what do they need to keep in mind? Well, one thing I think is important to keep in mind is protecting the internal workings of engines during storage. When going through post-harvest maintenance steps, it's important to assess the condition of fluids protecting your equipment. Consider that oil is the lifeblood of your equipment, protecting almost every part inside the engine. And the condition of your oil during storage is important. Conducting used oil analysis can catch early warning signs of possible major issues and corrective actions can be taken before putting equipment away for the winter. To check the condition of the oil, easy to use analysis kits can be purchased through local Cenex distributors. So what should farmers then Let's set up a list of priorities. What should they prioritize as part of their winterizing routine? Well, I think replacing fluids such as the engine oil, for example, before storage equipment away uh, is important, especially if the used oil test results reveal any signs of contaminants in the oil or the oil is nearing the end of its normal drain interval. As oil is kept in service longer and longer, its ability to protect against rust and corrosion during long periods of storage is diminished. So consider replacing your fluids before storage, even if the used oil analysis does not necessarily indicate an issue. And I like to remind them that after changing oil before storage, be sure to run the equipment for at least 10 minutes to allow the oil to completely circulate and coat all the internal components. How important is it to pick the right lubricants or will any lubricants do? Well, not all lubricants are the same. I always suggest considering the convenience and advantages of synthetic oils. Cenex Maxtron and BioEdge and Maxtron DEO diesel engine oils offer advantages in a wide range of equipment. These premium oils are engineered with Endurovis technology for maximum lifespan and excellent protection against corrosion, oxidation, and viscosity loss. Our synthetic products provide that consistent protection in extreme winter and summer temperatures, eliminating the need for multiple lubricants. What else should they be looking at as far as maybe a way to, to upgrade? Well, I think I would go back to the synthetic lubricants. Uh, it truly is an upgrade product. It provides that true premium performance and provides the best protection that's possible. And I, I think the message we want to leave a reminder to uh, farmers is don't just put that equipment away and forget about it till spring. Uh, you need to take care of it during the winter time, right? Absolutely. Uh, we can't forget about that during storage. That's uh, a period of time when that engine needs protection as well. All right. That's John Wetzel, CHS Technical Services Manager. Some good tips for winterizing your equipment. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. All right. As we wrap things up today, a couple of things to watch, a couple of stories. There seems to be support growing on Capitol Hill for legislation to help U.S. ag commodities get products, get to, to foreign buyers, despite all these bottlenecks at our ports that we've talked so much about. That bottleneck, especially out on the West Coast, continues. Uh, there's legislation that is being uh, worked on right now that would uh, be, it would be called the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2021. It could, it could get moved on yet this year. The bill would seek to stop Chinese exporters from paying ocean carrier companies to return containers empty instead of filling them up with U.S. goods. We've seen a lot of that. We've heard a lot about that, those going back empty, and that's part of the supply chain challenge that we are dealing with right now. As I said, support seems to be growing, and uh, we'll keep an eye on this to see if there's any action Representative Dusty Johnson from South Dakota is working on this, and he says that the bill would 
help move American products and said that international shipping companies that use American ports would have to assume some very basic common carrier obligations, including not unfairly discriminating against American ag exports. So we'll keep a close watch on this, this Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2021, and can they get something done here yet this year? Another story we're going to be talking more about tomorrow, watching this closely, Reuters is reporting that there are some oil refiners that are playing basically the game of chicken with the White House, taking moves in the biofuels credit market that could force them to close plants and fire union workers unless the Biden administration bails them out by changing the obligations that they have for blending biofuels under the renewable fuel standard. This may be the latest effort by the oil industry to try to break the RFS and uh, do away with it, get around it. And we're going to talk with one of the uh, Reuters reporters tomorrow that's been working on this story and to see the very latest on this and if it could indeed be an effective strategy by the oil industry to get around their obligations under the RFS. So we'll be watching that very closely, get the latest on that tomorrow. Looking ahead to next week, we have a busy week next week. Tuesday, I'll be in Maryville, Missouri at Northwest Missouri State University. Looking forward to being there, looking at their uh, ag program, their new facilities, new building that they have, and some things like that, working closely with our affiliate KFEQ in St. Joe. So looking forward to that broadcast on Tuesday of next week. Then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week, I'll be in Kansas City for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention and uh, a lot of uh, ag leaders will be there. We'll have a chance to talk with them about a number of issues. So that's all coming up. Busy week on the road next week. But that wraps it up for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you'll be with us again tomorrow right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by... Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.